Thank you for joining us here at Prevail Church for this podcast. We hope this experience builds your faith and impacts your life. For more information about Prevail Church, visit us online at prevail.tv. Now let's tune in. Anyways, we're going to dive into uh, week number two of our Breathe series. We started a series last week, and I promise you I'm not going to, I'm going to try to keep you, get you out of here quickly. Worship went as long as it needed to. Amen? And uh, so I'm, I'm excited. I'm grateful for that. Uh, but I do have a word that I believe God wants to share with us. Um, the, the, this series, as we talked about last week, is about uh, really seriously, like in a literal sense, about managing stress. Amen? Anybody got a little stress in their life and dealt with some stress? Come on, somebody. Um, and um, stress, anxiety, depression, different things of that nature. I don't know if you've ever dealt with any of that, but I have. Amen? And I continue to, to work on it and continue to challenge myself to manage it better. Amen. Because if I don't, I know where I'll end up. Hello. And if you've never been anxious or depressed or dealt with depression, it's, a, it's not, a, it's not a, a light thing by any means to deal with. And some people don't want to admit it, especially in church, because in church we call it a demon. And we say it needs to be cast out. Uh-huh. Right? And it, it don't need to be cast out. It needs to be conversated about. Hello. We want to cast out what we need to talk about. Because in church, we like to sweep stuff under rugs. Oh, man, I'm not, I'm not going to do it today. I'm telling you. I don't want y'all coming for me in the comments. But, but I know we like to sweep stuff under the rugs, and we got some really big rugs in church. Amen. And we, and we don't want to talk about stuff. And, and we'll let people hurt and be uh, misused and, and abused and misguided. And, and we'll never really sit and talk with them because it takes energy to walk with people through the journeys of their life. Amen. And we want results, and we want them fast. We won't say that everybody's saved and everybody's doing okay and all that stuff. And when we do that, we, we miss out on an opportunity to really help people as they are going through the things they're going through. But I'm not here to talk about that today. I'm, I'm talking about managing stress, and we're talking about managing stress in this series. And as I said last week, and I, I want to make this discla- disclaimer, and I'm going to make it every week, and whoever preaches pretty much is going to make this disclaimer. disclaimer. Uh, this is not a substitute if you need actual medical help. Amen? So if you're watching online, and if you're in this room, and you say, man, I, I hear you, Pastor, and I'm thankful for this word, but I am struggling, struggling. We want to help you and resource you and get you with someone that you can talk to. Amen? A professional that's been trained in how to deal with these things. Hallelujah. And, and you don't have to be ashamed about that. Come on, somebody. So, so we're talking about breathe. We're talking about this series that's called Breathe, and we're talking about managing stress and being able to breathe when it comes to life. Amen. Because um, I have dealt with stuff, and it just seems to take your breath away. And you just, you know, you ever wake up in the morning, sometimes when you're real stressed, you just want to slap everybody, the dog, the cat, the, everybody. Hamsters, everybody, just come here. Give me a little hamster. <laughs> Take that. Hamsters looking like what? Um, we are uh, hamster sitting right now. Zoe is hamster sitting right now. We have a hamster in our house, 
And in the middle of the night, last night, I'm telling y'all, it was like what, 12 o'clock, midnight? Her name is uh, Winkles, and she was on her little running wheel, and it makes squeaky noises. And she went for like 20 minutes. In the middle, I was like, golly, man, if I had that kind of energy, I'd be losing some weight. Come on, somebody. Um, but that duck, and, and she be doing pull-ups and everything. I'm telling you, I'm going to post a video. Y'all think I'm playing. It's going, it's going down. Anyways, I want to I dive into the message today. And honestly, I don't have a title for this message, so we'll see what happens when, 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 it, when it comes out. But I believe God's got something to say. Amen? Turn with me to Romans chapter 7. I'm going to read 13 through 25. And we're reading from the passage transla- uh, the Passion Translation. It's one of my favorite passages of scripture, and I think it's appropriate for what we're going to be talking about today. Romans 7, 13, it says this, so did something meant to be good become death to me? Certainly not. It was not the law, but sin unmasked, uh, it was not the law, but sin unmasked that produced my spiritual death. The sacred commandment merely uncovered the evil of sin so it could be seen, somebody say, for what it is. Can you throw that up? For what it is. Next screen. Verse 14 says, For we know that the law is divinely inspired and comes from the spiritual realm. But I am a human being made of flesh and trafficked as a slave under sin's authority. Man, that's a strong word. I'm a mystery to myself. This is Paul talking. He said, I'm a mystery to myself. I don't even know myself. I'm a mystery to myself for what I want to do, for I want to do what is right, but end up doing what is my moral, uh, what my moral instincts condemn. And if my behavior is not in line with my desire, my conscience still confirms the excellence of the law. And now I realize that I no longer, that it is I, or that it, that it is no longer my true self doing it, but the unwelcome intruder of sin in my humanity. And now I realize, oh, I'd say that twice, right? Come on, let me get my right, where I'm at, where I'm at. For I know that nothing good lives within the flesh of my fallen humanity. The longest to do what is right are within me, but willpower is not enough to accomplish it. My lofty desires to do what is good are dashed when I do things I want to avoid. Listen to the scripture now. Verse 20, so if my behavior contradicts my desires to do good, I must conclude that it is not, that it's not my true identity doing it, but the unwelcome intruder of sin hindering me from being who I really am. Through my experience of this principle, I discovered that even when I want to do good, somebody say, I want to do good, evil is ready to sabotage me. Truly, Deep within my true identity, I love to do what pleases God. Amen? 
But I discern another power operating in my humanity, waging a war against the moral principles of my, my conscience and bringing me into captivity as a prisoner to the law of sin, this unwelcome intruder in my humanity. Verse 24, what an agonizing situation I am in. It's even hard to read this. I'm just being real with y'all. What an agony, uh, agonizing situation I'm in. So who has the power to rescue me from this, uh, this miserable, man, miserable man from this unwelcome intruder of sin and death? I give all my thanks to God for his mighty power has finally provided a way out through the, our Lord Jesus, the anointed one. So if left to myself, the flesh is aligned with the law of sin. But now my renewed, somebody said renewed mind, is fixed on and submitted to God's righteous principles. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for what you're going to say today. I pray you to speak to me in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Stress is defined as a state of mental or emotional strain or tension resulting from adverse or very demanding circumstances. It can come from any event or thought that makes you feel frustrated, angry, or nervous. Stress is your body's reaction to a challenge or demand, amen? Listen to this, in short bursts, stress can be positive, such as when it helps you avoid danger or meet a deadline. But for most of us, we don't have a short burst of stress, amen? As we've dived into this series and, and we're talking about stress, I, I, I really spent some time and I wanted to really kind of get acquainted and know what stress is. Because I think we have our own definitions of stress. And then there's the medical community's definition of stress. Amen? And then the church just says you need to pray about it. <laughs> and we got so many different pathways to try and deal with stress. But a lot of times we can't deal with it because we don't know what it is that we're actually dealing with. Amen? So in my, in my research and in in, in looking and in, in studying, I, um, I, I read about four different types of stress. And I want to share these with you real quick and then we're going we're gonna to land this plane, all right? First, there is physical stress. Somebody say physical stress. Physical stress can be trauma, can be uh, intense physical labor, overexertion. I did this this week. Come on, somebody. Listen, y'all, I, on, on, Wednesday, on Thursday, I deadlifted 335 pounds. I was like, yes, felt good about myself. Friday, I roundhouse kicked a, a, a boxing bag, and it took me out. Come on, somebody. You know what the Lord said. Listen, all I'm saying is, don't roundhouse kick a boxing bag. Come on, if you're older than 30. <laughs> intense physical labor. The roundhouse kick was intense physical labor, okay? Overexertion. Uh, physical stress is, 
can be caused from environmental pollution. Pesticides, herbicides, toxins, heavy metals, all that kind of stuff. Ask my wife, she will tell you about that. It can be caused by illness. Somebody say illness. Fatigue. You can also be physically stressed. Now this is, I'm, I'm, I know y'all like, what, what, it sounds like school. All right, listen. There's physical stress, which can be caused by all these things. Dehydration, substance abuse, dental challenges, all kinds of stuff. Amen? Then there is uh, psychological stress. Somebody say psychological stress. This is emotional stress. This comes from resentment and fears and frustration and sadness and anger and grief. Right? That's cognitive stress. This is when you have information overload, when you're taking in so much and you're trying to cram. You ever done that when you're trying to prepare for a test or you got something big and you, just, and you feel stressed out? You, 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 uh, you, you, you get an accelerated sense of time. You get worried. You get guilt and shame and jealousy and resistance and, 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 and cognitive stress is caused by attachments and and, and self-criticism and self-loathing and all these different things caused by unworkable perfectionism when you're trying to be a perfectionist and you know that you can't really accomplish everything that you need to, but, but, but you're trying to be a perfectionist. Um, cognitive stress, I mean, physiological stress can be a form of anxiety and panic attacks and not feeling like yourself and not feeling like things are real and a sense of being out of control or not being in control. It can be uh, uh, also a perceived idea of stress. Perceptual, uh, perceptual stress, beliefs, roles, stories, attitudes, worldview, all these different things can cause psychological stress. Do you hear me? Here's another form of stress, it's the uh, 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 psychosocial stress. I've never heard this before. This is when, uh, uh, this is the kind of stress that's come from relationships and marriage difficulties. Amen. Anybody ever had that? No? All the men like, I, I'm not saying anything, Pastor. Marriage difficulties, you got uh, partners, siblings, and, and children, and family, and co-workers, all these kind of relationships, and your employer. This is the stress that's called when you have the lack of social support, and you have the lack of resources for adequate survival. This kind of comes from when you have a loss of employment, or investments, or savings, or a loss of loved ones, bankruptcy, home foreclosure. And isolation. How many of you have ever been there? You ever dealt with that? It's the stress that just replays over in your mind. How am I going to figure this out? How am I going to do this? All of these start to cause another thing. It starts here and then it, it just cycles into something else and it becomes something else, right? And then there is this one called psycho-spiritual stress. Listen to this. It's a crisis of values, a crisis of meaning, and a crisis of uh, a purpose. It's joyless striving. This is what they call it, joyless striving. You ever been trying to reach or something? You just ain't got a joy. I'm just doing it just to do it. 
ain't even happy with this. I'm just here. You know what I'm saying? Some of us are like that in church. Come on. <laughs> I'm just going because, you know, my family go. Joyless striving, instead of uh, productive, satisfying, meaningful, and fulfilling work, it's, uh, it's a misalignment with your core spiritual beliefs. Wow. These are a couple of different types of stress, and, and I think on some level we've all dealt with one or two or maybe all of them. You know, the other thing I've learned is looking at this, is, as I was just saying, one starts another, and it puts you in a different one, right? So you have a, a crisis of values, and then your crisis of values starts marriage difficulties or, or, or relationship difficulties or people, you know, all the people you thought to your friends are no longer your friends, right? You hear me? You start struggling in your faith, and then everybody in church don't want to talk to you. Right? And then it turns into emotional stress because then you start going, I don't know what I did wrong. And you start blaming yourself. And, you know, and then that turns into physical stress. You see that? How it snowballs. On some level, we all deal with these things. On some level, we all have issues and things that we're fighting and dealing with, and we don't want to talk about it in church. We like to sweep it under the rug, and, but, but I am I'm convinced that the Lord no longer wants to let us keep this stuff in. I am convinced that we are in a time and in a generation where we have to learn to talk about this stuff. Because if we don't, people are going to journey through life and they're going to be sad and lonely and destroyed. And I'm convinced that the church should be on the forefront of helping people and loving on people and journeying through these, these trials and tribulations with people and not pushing them to the side saying, you know, we're going to pray for you and that's it. I'm tired of church where we don't want to get dirty, where we don't want to step into the mess, we don't want to step into the problems and the issues because you know I don't, I, I no, if God called you to ministry, he called you to love on people, you got to love on people in the middle of a trial. Come on somebody. Stress is, a necessary, is, is necessary for life. Hear me, stress is good, it's necessary for life. Right? It's necessary for life and it's necessary for creativity and learning and survival. Come on. It's a normal physical response to events that make you feel threatened or upset your balance or status quo. It's also the body's way of protecting you by helping you stay focused, energy, uh, energetic and alert. When we sense danger of any kind, whether real or imagined, we tend to move into fight, I mean fight, fight, flight, or frozen, right? And both, positive and negative, are common events that can contribute to these reactions. So stress is, a, is, is supposed to be a good thing. I would go on to say that stress is a God-given thing. It's a mechanism that he put in our body to help us function right. Amen. But listen to this. Stress becomes harmful when it becomes overwhelming or chronic. 
Are you hearing me? See, when, when, when stress becomes overwhelming or chronic, it, 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 can, it can cause major damage to your health, your mood, your productivity, your relationships, your functioning, and your quality of life. Everyday stress, if stress is chronic, everyday stress can be just as damaging as what caused the stress. Did you, I mean, listen, sometimes we can get so wrapped up in what's happening and how it's happening and what's going on and what am I going to do about it. It can be just as damaging as the trauma that caused the stress in the first place. You know what this sounds like to me? This sounds like something the enemy would always do us. He takes what God gave us to, and meant for it to be good and he perverts it. Come on, somebody. Oh, y'all didn't catch that, did you? See, God is the giver of life. He gives us these things. He, he made us. He created us. Every part of our body, every mechanism of our body, every function of our body, all of it, the way we handle stress, the way the stress comes in, all this stuff is a part of who we are. God created us. We all believe that, right? But the enemy takes and perverts that creation uh-huh, and turns it into something that becomes harmful. That's what sin is. Oh, that's what sin is. Now, I know y'all, you know, some of, some of the folk even watching online are probably surprised I even said the word sin at church because I don't usually talk about it, you know what I'm saying? Because I think many churches are telling uh, people how much the, uh, the devil wants them versus how much God wants them. Hello. We talk about sin so much in church that we don't even know if God wants us or not. We're so bent on trying to do everything right. Hello. But sin is a perversion of good things that God provided for us. Amen. When we read Matthew chapter, uh, I mean, um, Romans chapter 7, when he's talking about, hey, the law is there and this and that, and he, and he goes on and he says, the law is not a bad thing. The law was a spiritual thing. It was a spiritual inspiration from God. It came straight from the Lord himself. And Paul said, there's nothing wrong with the law, but there is something wrong with my humanity. Because my humanity will always try and pervert what God wanted to be good. Come on, somebody. So, knowing this, knowing that stress is somewhat, should be a good thing for us, how can we manage it? Somebody say, how can we manage it? Say it loud, how can I manage it? Ask yourself, how can I manage it? Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, how can you manage stress? Come on, look at somebody behind you or in front of you and say, neighbor, how can you manage stress? Look at somebody you haven't looked at and say, neighbor, how can you manage stress? Got to say it like Ben Daly, neighbor, how can you manage stress? Come on, somebody. I got a couple things I want to share with us, and, it, and I believe it, it'll help us in this journey. Amen? First thing is this. Somebody say, learn who we really are. If we, we can manage stress if we learn who we really are. I love what he said in the scripture. He said, uh, uh, he said, my conclusion is 
that when I keep doing the things I don't want to do, that's not my true identity. Come on. Listen, if you know who you are, you know what you have to respond to. Amen? Some of us don't even realize who we are, and so we struggle, and we struggle, and we go through, and we go back and forth, and we're trying to figure out this, and we're trying, because we're so in a cycle trying to figure out who we are, we don't even know what we want to do. So everything that comes in our life, it seems like urgent, and it's pulling us, and I got to do this, and I got to do that, and I got to do this, and I want to be accepted by this group, and I want to be accepted by this group, and then if they don't like me, then I'm going to get upset, and I'm going to do it. If you learn who you are, and you get confident in who you are, and who Christ made you to be, come on, somebody. If you learn how to lean into that, you'll begin to push other things to the side, right? you begin to say, you know what? I don't have to be accepted by that group because I'm not called to them. I know who I am. Amen. I don't have to be loved by these people over here because I'm not called to them. I know who I am. Come on, somebody. I don't have to make my whole family be okay. You learn who you are, and when you begin to develop and learn who you are, you begin to set boundaries for your life. Amen. So when I set the boundaries, I know I can't spend time with everybody. Come on, somebody. When I learn that I'm 36, I realize I can't do roundhouse kicks on boxing bags and not pay the price. Amen. Listen, you, and you know, it might be funny to hear it, but when injury happens, you learn what boundaries you need to set. Uh-huh. You learn from that experience. Well, if I try that again, maybe I don't need to kick as hard. Maybe I don't need to. Maybe I don't do a roundhouse kick. I do a front kick. Come on, somebody. You hear me? You begin to learn from your experience, from the trauma, boundaries. But see, if you don't know who you are up front, the result, the only result, is to go through trauma to learn the boundary. Did y'all catch that? Huh? And you know, sometimes seasons change and you don't know it until you go through a trauma. Oh, wow. I didn't know. I didn't know we weren't friends no more. Okay. That makes sense now. I'm laughing at myself because I'm like, I'm like I didn't know I couldn't do a roundhouse kick no more. I mean, I did it, but I didn't know the bag was going to beat me. Right. These 36-year-old bones ain't like my 29-year-old bones. Amen. I felt that in my spirit. I can't, I can't even lean down like that. I'm going to be laying on the floor in a minute. But we got to learn who we are. Somebody say, learn who we really are. Say it loud. Learn who we, who we really are. Next thing is this. Learn to discern our ditches. 
Everybody know where the ditch is? If you ever come to my house, there's a, right next to my driveway, a huge drop off. And I'm always out there looking at people like, if you don't know about that, that drop off, your car should be messed up. Come on, somebody. And I'm out there like, please don't drive in the ditch. Don't do it, don't do it. If we learn our own ditches, we can learn to manage stress. You catch what I'm saying? You gotta learn your quirks, you gotta learn, you gotta learn the signs that are pointing you towards the trauma. You gotta begin to be aware of when you're starting to feel overwhelmed, what is causing this? Amen. I used to struggle with, uh, with a heavy scene issue. I'm not gonna talk about it because kids in here and they don't need to hear. Okay? And I used to struggle with it, but I learned my triggers. Are you hearing me? And when I learned my triggers, I set boundaries. Learn your triggers. Set boundaries. I love what Habakkuk 2.2 says. It says, without a vision, people perish. They, don't, they can't look at it and read it and run with it. Why? Because they don't know where to set the boundaries, how to build from that. And a lot of us are living our life, uh, and we have no boundaries, and we don't know our triggers, and we don't know what causes us to be upset, what makes me angry. Why am I going through this? Why do I feel this way? And why, you know, why did when that person said this to me, what happened that made me get so angry that I went off on this person, and they just really said, hey, that's all they really said was hey and I was like why are you saying hey to me and all this stuff you know what makes me get so upset when somebody cut me off in traffic you gotta learn your ditches amen, amen. because if we don't somebody said if we don't we're gonna always find ourselves falling into the traps that the enemy sets up for us I don't know why I'm so angry today. Don't know your triggers. And when you understand your triggers, you understand how to set boundaries. Amen? I love this because when you learn your, your ditches, you learn this next one to say no. We can manage stress if we learn to say. We can learn. We can manage stress if we learn to say. Some of y'all struggling to say it now. <laughs> My wife don't have a problem saying no. I'd be like, "Good morning, no." Dang. I worked at Best Buy. They the training at Best Buy was. Uh, uh, find a way to yes. Amen. Every, every day. You'd be, the customer would be mad and as wrong as two left shoes. Amen. And a coat inside out. But we had to find a way to a yes. Let me tell you something. It don't work like that in the kingdom. Come on. The promises of God are yes and amen. The promises of Fred are not. 
Can I say that again? Because nothing in scripture instructs me that I have to say yes to everybody's question. Everybody's wanting something from me. And we got to learn how to say no sometimes. You got to see, there is power in a holy no. And you ain't going to be rude with it. You ain't going to be angry or upset. But listen, when you learn your triggers, you learn when to say no. Come on, somebody. If I know that I got a lot on my plate and you call me, ask me to design a graphic, I'm going to say no. It took me a while to get there, though. Kids used to be like, man, I'm just, I'm just going to do this for my portfolio. Nobody won't pay me. I'm going to do it for my portfolio. I'm just going to. And you, 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 could, you know what I'm talking about. He gets it. Sade gets it. We know. You understand. And you get in that world. You want to, I need to, get, I need to build this business. And then everybody's like, oh, shoot. They, she building her portfolio. And he building his portfolio. So let me try to get him to do 8,000 things. And then I come back and say, well, you're going to have to pay me. Oh, well, you know, then they get like something stuck in their throat, start talking real deep. Oh, what, cat got your tongue? And then they get mad when you say, well, I can't do the work. Oh, man, you just, I mean, you ain't dependable, this and that. No. It ain't that I'm not dependable, it's that I'm discerning. And I'm tired of being stretched thin. Come on, somebody. You know, when I was in school, they taught us, uh, I went to school uh, online and I went, and they taught us, you know, when we were talking about the graphic design, and they were talking about how if you, if you give all your work away free, you essentially you start to devalue yourself, no matter how good you are. You devalue yourself. You devalue your work. And you'll find it, um, and usually you don't find this out until you start dealing with large potential contracts because what happens is you get these companies that come in and one company will bid, you know, what the actual value is. Then another one come in and underbid for like 20, 30, and then people choose the one with the actual value and they're like, well, we underbid. And they're like, yeah, if you can cheapen your, your price like that, then I don't really trust the product. So what am I saying? Sometimes you got to learn how to say no. Somebody say, say no. I'm sorry, I can't be at every event. I'm sorry, I can't call you every day. Come on. You got to learn how to discern when you should say yes or no. You are not called to everybody. I'm going to say that one more time. You ain't called to everybody. God didn't build you to change the entire world. He built you to change the people he called you to change. Come on. That's some freedom in that. Because some of us have, we grew up in church with, oh, you got to change the world, change the world. And you think you got to change everybody. No, God wants you to change the 15 people at your office. He wants you to impact the, the, the 10 people that sit in your cubicle area. Come on, somebody. He wants you to impact the people that you talk to on the phone with your customer service job. That is where God called you. you. Listen, that's the world for you. Not the entire world. Even Jesus in his physical self didn't try to reach every single person on the world. You know what Jesus did? 
Jesus got smart. He said, you know what? This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to take three years. I'm going to train some people while I'm here. And I'm going to die for everybody. And then I'm going to train them people to go tell everybody what I did. Right? Even Jesus knew he had the 12, he had the 9, he had the 3. You catch that? Everybody wasn't in Jesus' top three. He learned to say no. I don't know, that'll, that'll deliver somebody. I know, I know this ain't, you know, jumping and shouting and kick your neighbor and throw a hanky and, you know, throw chairs all around kind of preaching. But some of us need a little deliverance from all these yeses that we're giving to everybody. Because we're trying to please everybody and we ain't even pleasing God. But that's another word. Last thing is this. We need to learn to look at and lean into our rescuer. Look at and lean into our rescuer. Psalms 121, which is some of my favorite scripture, says this. I look up to the mountains and hills, longing for God's help. But then I realize that our true help and protection is only from the Lord. Our creator who made the heavens and the earth. He will guard and guide me, never letting me stumble or fall. God is my keeper. He will never forget nor ignore me. He will never slumber nor sleep. He is the guardian God for his people, Israel. Yahweh himself will watch over you. He is always at your side to shelter you safely in his presence. He's protecting you from all danger, both day, somebody say day, and night. He will keep you from every form of evil or calamity as he continuously watches over you. You will be guarded by God himself. This is the scripture. Listen to the scripture. You will be guarded by God himself. You will be safe when you leave your home. And safety will, and safely you will return. He will protect you now and he'll protect you forevermore. That's a word. I love how the scripture <coughs> begins to make a declaration because some of us need to understand that God is our protector and we need to stop trying to carry all this weight by ourselves and trying to do all these things by ourselves and we're trying this and we're trying that and, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to this class and I'm going to go to that class and maybe I'll try this or, or maybe I'll try that and, and maybe I'll see if this works or if that works but, but God is like yo, yo, look, listen, listen, you need to learn how to lean into me. You need to learn how to lean into God. You need to learn how to lean into what the Lord is doing in your life because if you learn how to lean into the Lord, the Bible says that he is our protector, which means that he will fight for you. He will bear the weight for you. He will stand guard at the gates of your life and make sure that no evil can ever harm you. No evil can ever take you out. Even though you go through a trial, he'll walk through the trial with you. If you're in the middle of a storm, 
storm, he'll go through the storm with you. If you're in the middle of, of, of some situation, God is there. No matter what you're dealing with, God is on your side. And if we learn to lean into the Lord, we learn to lean into our rescuer. No matter what situation you find yourself in, he'll come and get you out. That's the God we serve. That's the God we serve. We're not serving a God who's sitting back going, I'm going to let them figure it out on their own. No, he wants to be involved in every aspect of your life. He wants to get in the middle of the fight with you. He wants to be right there with you when you're going through it. You know what? He's not, listen, he don't want to turn away from you when you're having sickness. He don't want to turn away from you when you're, having, when you're struggling mentally. He wants to be in your mind when you're struggling and you're feeling lonely. He, knows, he says, I'm with you. I love what David says over in Psalms. Also, he says, if I make my bed in hell, you are there. If I go and I live a destructive life, if I choose destruction as the way of my life, God is still for us. He's still on our side. That is the God we serve. He's not sitting in heaven waiting to strike you down and to kick you out and to tell you how bad you are and how rough you are and I got to do this and I need to do that and I can't really work with you. No, that ain't him. He's saying, come to me, all you who are heavy and heavy laden and I will give you rest. I don't care what's going on in your life. I don't care what decisions you made, the bad things, the good things. I don't care about any of that. I just want to be with you. Man. Some weight on that. Because we spend most of our life trying to get God to look at us by trying to do everything right. And God's like, I don't look at you because you're right. I look at you because I love you. I look at you because I'm head over heels in love with you. heard a preacher say one time, he said, the whole intent of the Bible is to get us back to the original picture of the garden. And that was God and man walking in the cool of the day, naked and unashamed. (laughs) And sin has entered the world and sin has called us to cover ourselves and try to fix ourselves and try to do things ourselves and try to make this happen and make that happen and make this happen and then we live with so much shame and guilt and we're not who we really are and we don't really know who God called us to be and so we, we come in our and we, we never have our heads high and, and we never lean into the, the Lord and, and, and Jesus is like come on man I, I came and I died so that you could be restored back to the original intent I gave my life so you could walk with God in the cool of the day again. Somebody say cool of the day. You ever had a cool day? This week was incredible for some reason in South Carolina. I was like, Lord, Jesus, come on. I can get this right here every week. Let me have a whole summer like this, Jesus. And then he's like, nope, next week I'm going to remind you what hell is like. Oh, please don't do that to me. I had a friend I was talking to from Arizona. 
we had, we saw a guy Friday night from Arizona. He said, man, it was 121 degrees. I said, bro, I ain't never come to Arizona in the summertime. It ain't going to happen. People are like, you want to go to Arizona? No. I pay you a million dollars. No. 121 degrees? Not going to happen. Sorry. Can't breathe. I'll die. Won't even be able to spend a million. Get up the thing and just <laughs> faint. But if you ever enjoyed a cool day and a walk with your spouse, it's amazing. It's amazing. It's a great feeling. Think about this. This is what God wants to get back with us. Just walking and talking. No expectations. No, you have to do this, you have to do that. No, I need you to say the right thing. No, I need you to dress a certain way. No, I need you to act a certain way or look a certain way or love a certain way. None of that. It's literally just, let's walk and talk. Can we picture a relationship with God like that? We can't because we've convoluted with so much shame. We can learn to deal with the things that stress us out in life if we learn to lean into our rescue. Jesus died for us all so that we might be saved. Amen? What are you saying, Pastor Fred? So I just, just, I can just go crazy and do all? If you understand how relationships work, you know what I'm saying. There's freedom in me being married to my wife, but I also know the boundaries. Amen. I don't have to have a whole conversation with her about what I can and cannot do. We didn't have that talk when we got married. She didn't sit me down and go, okay, Fred, you know, so you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't do this, okay? And if you do that, then I might leave you. None of that happened. I knew from the relationship the boundaries were set. And many of us don't have a relationship with God. We got rules and regulations. We got a rule book that we try to live by. Because somebody else told us that this is the rule book. And God's like, please put that book aside. I want a relationship with you. And relationship is developed through time and energy. So when you begin to spend time and you begin to talk with God, cool of the day, walk in. Hey, Lord, what do you want to do in my life today? God, what's in me that's not like you? What, what do you want to change? I'm, I'm here. I'm open. That is when relationship happens. That's when real change happens. Amen? Can you stand with me? Y'all like, man, you preached a long time. No, they sung a long time. Don't blame it on me. <laughs> they was up here singing. Leading that worship. Look at you. Look at you leading that worship, baby. I'm just kidding. Thank you, Lord, for what you said today. And I pray, God, if anybody's watching online or even in this room and they don't have a relationship with you, I just pray for the courage and the strength to reach out, to take the next step. 
God is not a, a, a sinner's prayer. It's not uh, all these different things that we've made up in churches. It's an experience and a moment with you. And God, though, we might want to lead them through a prayer for our records. But you do the heart change. So I pray that people have an encounter with you. I pray they have an encounter with you. And I pray that you give them the courage to share it with us and to tell somebody, man, today I gave my, my heart to the Lord and I'm in relationship with him and I thank you for what you know. I just pray, God, that you will help us to learn to manage the stress. It's never meant to be an evil thing. It's meant to be a good thing. And I thank you that we learn to lean into that moment. Thank you for who you are and what you're doing in our lives. And I pray for everybody in this room. If they're hurting, if they're going through something, give them peace. That's the path of understanding. Give them joy, unspeakable joy. And I thank you for what you're doing. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us here at Prevail Church for this podcast. We hope this experience builds your faith and impacts your life. For more information about Prevail Church, visit us online at prevail.tv. Now let's tune in.